Loving Father in Heaven, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to fellowship with you once again. It has always been a blessing. You have been helping us and developing us and giving us the grace to understand your word and have changes in our character. We cannot have enough of your word. So we pray, Father, that as we go through your word now, you grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Impress on our hearts the truths that you want us to learn. Prevent us from wresting the scriptures away from its true meaning. And help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. Please, grant us of your spirit. And as for me, Lord, consecrate me to your service and put your words in my mouth. For the sake of your son, Jesus, that died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, Lord, may this time be a means for us to be lifted up and develop the character of Christ in us. In Jesus' name, I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 10. None were perfect. This priceless treasure we hold, so to speak, in a common earthenware jar to show that the splendid power of it belongs to God and not to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. All the disciples had serious faults when Jesus called them to his service. Even John, who came into closest association with the meek and lowly one, was not himself naturally meek and yielding. He and his brother were called the sons of thunder. While they were with Jesus, any slight shown to him aroused their indignation and combativeness evil temper, revenge, the spirit of criticism were all in the beloved disciple. He was proud and ambitious to be first in the kingdom of God. But day by day, in contrast with his own violent spirit, he beheld the tenderness and forbearance of Jesus and heard his lessons of humility and patience. He opened his heart to the divine influence and became not only a hearer but a doer of the Savior's words. Self was hid in Christ. He learned to wear the yoke of Christ and to bear his burden. Jesus reproved his disciples. He warned and cautioned them. But John and his brethren did not leave him. They chose Jesus, notwithstanding the reproofs. The Savior did not withdraw from them because of their weakness and errors. They continued to the end to share his trials and to learn the lessons of his life. By beholding Christ, they became transformed in character. As his representatives among men, Christ does not choose angels who have never fallen, but human beings men of like passions with those they seek to save. Having been in peril themselves, they are acquainted with the dangers and difficulties of the way, 
and for this reason are called to reach out for others in like peril. There are souls perplexed with doubt, burdened with infirmities, weak in faith and unable to grasp the unseen, but a friend whom they can see coming to them in Christ's stead can be a connecting link to fasten their trembling faith upon Christ. We are to be laborers together with the heavenly angels in presenting Jesus to the world. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is None Were Perfect. Here we are going to look at the marvelous work that Jesus did in his disciples as a an example of the kind of work that he wants to do in us. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 291, we read the following. It says, The Savior knew the character of the men whom he had chosen. All their weaknesses and errors were open before him. He knew the perils through which they must pass, the responsibility that would rest upon them and his heart yearned over these chosen ones. Alone upon a mountain near the Sea of Galilee, he spent the entire night in prayer for them while they were sleeping at the foot of the mountain. With the first light of dawn, he summoned them to meet him, for he had something of importance to communicate to them. Amen. When we understand that statement there that the Savior knew the character of the men he had chosen, all their weaknesses and errors were open before him. And even the man Judas, whom we look at as maybe the worst of them, John was just that bad and Peter. The only problem with Judas was he did not allow the grace of Christ to transform him. The others were just as bad as he was. Is it the matter of self-exaltation? It was not only Judas that had that kind of mindset. Do you remember what James and John went to request of Jesus with their mother. We will look at that in the devotions to come. But I will just say it, these men did not cherish the desire that Judas had to a lesser degree. They cherished it to an equal or perhaps even greater degree. For them to have gone to meet Jesus and requested of him that they wanted to be placed at the right hand and at the left hand of Jesus when his kingdom comes because they were expecting that Jesus will one day be the king of Judah. They, they, to, them, to them, the time was coming. It was too evident that he was going to be king. Behind the back of, their other, of the other disciples, their own friends, behind Peter's back, behind Andrew's back, who were fellow fishermen friends with them, they went on a campaign to seek for the highest place, these men not considering their own brethren, their own fellow disciples. They went to make a request. They wanted to lord over their own friends. Do you see that these men were not any different from Judas? We have looked at the devotion of Judas and how it was that he was someone who was proud and wanted to be exalted above every other person. John was not different. James was not different. Peter was not different. They cherished this same spirit. So why is Judas the one that is demonized? Is it because of his errors and his weaknesses? No. It is because light came to him and he loved darkness more than light. The rest of them, by beholding Christ, they began to change, but not Judas. 
for us, we, we, we can understand the same thing. God doesn't condemn us for our weaknesses. He came to change us and we need to allow him to do that. When we look at the weaknesses of these disciples, we realize indeed that the title of our devotion is really very key. None were perfect. And we are not to look at anyone as though they are better than another person. All of us have our weaknesses in one area of our mind or the other. Sometimes some people are exalted to the heavens. Or let me not say exalted, but there are people who see others because of their talents and they feel that, oh, this person is just above all of us. It's not exactly like that. It is only because maybe the strength of that person, you see the person using it very well. And maybe your own strength, you are neglecting it and you are looking at another person's own wanting to uh, have that person's own strength for your own strength. We have all of us our strengths and our weaknesses. Reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 2, page 427, paragraph 2, it says, One man's mind may be by some exalted as being in every degree superior but every mind has its peculiar weakness and its peculiar strength one man's mind will supply another man's deficiency but if all work in the one harness and are given encouragement to look not to men to know their duty but to god they will develop under the Holy Spirit's guidance and will work in unity with their brethren. One will supply another's lack. Amen. End of quote. So we see here that this is another reason why Jesus selected these 12 men of varied individualities. It was because they were to complement each other. They all had weaknesses and would need each other's help in certain areas. It is just like a marriage where each person is to have different individuality for the purpose of helping one another's weaknesses. And this is God's plan for us today. I'm reading now from Evangelism, page 72, paragraph 3. It says, When Jesus sent his disciples forth to labor, they did not feel as some do now, that they would rather work alone than have anyone with them who did not labor just as they labored. Our Savior understood what wants to associate together. He did not connect with the mild beloved John, one of the same temperament, but he connected with him the ardent, impulsive Peter. These two men were not alike either in their disposition or in their manner of labor. Take note of that statement now, that these two men, both in their disposition and in their manner of labor, they were not alike. Peter was prompt and zealous in action, bold and uncompromising, and would often wound. John was ever calm and considerate of others, of others' feelings, and would come after to bind up and encourage. Thus, the defects in one were partially covered by the virtues in the other. Amen. End of quote. Very, very beautiful thing happening here. John may see an opportunity to witness but because of his calmness he would not say anything but then peter who is the one that is ardent bold he doesn't fear anybody he will say what he needs to say but in the midst of saying what he needs to say he may make a mistake and say something he's not supposed to say and then that's where john will come in what he could not do in pushing forward peter has done it already but then if peter does make a mistake john will come to make amends for that 
and they both will complement each other. Isn't that beautiful? It's very beautiful. The Lord has very good plans for us in the way we are to work. Reading again from Evangelism, page 103, paragraph 1 and downward, it says, In our association with one another, we are to remember that all have not the same talents or the same disposition. The workers differ in plans and ideas. It's not just about our ideas now, but take note, even in plans, the way we plan our things, we differ. And no one is to say, oh, this one is this is not the right way to do it. You get the plans and ideas will be different. It's okay with God wants it that way. Continuing, it says, varied gifts combined are necessary for the success of the work. Let us remember that some can fill certain positions more successfully than others. The worker who has been given tact and ability that fit him for the accomplishment of some special line of work should not blame others for not being able to do that which he perhaps can do readily. Are there not things that his fellow workers can do far more successfully than he? The various talents that the Lord has entrusted to his servants are essential in his work. The different parts of the work are to be brought together piece by piece to make a complete whole. The parts of, the, of a building are not all the same, neither are they made by the same process. The lines of God's work are not all the same and neither are they to be carried forward in exactly the same way." End of quote. I will continue to read it later. What does it mean by the lines of God's work? There are various lines of God's work today. The corporate ministry, the educational work, the preaching of the gospel, there's the ministerial work, there's the medical work, the health work, there's the um, work of publishing, all of this. And none is to look at the other person's talent and say, oh, this person has more talent than myself. All are to harmonize, harness and work together. And the methods used in one work is not the same method used in another work. But then, that doesn't mean that God has left us to our own imagination to just do as we like. We have enough counsel written down in the spirit of prophecy as to how to do the labor. But then, even that is not sufficient. We need to be under the guidance of the Holy Spirit because different localities, different situations and circumstances demand different plans and methods of labor and under the guidance of the holy spirit based on our individualities too one might see an opportunity to fit into a certain work and a certain position and will do that work more successfully than others we shouldn't push people to do a work that we know that this is not what they can do they will not be successful in doing that work and we shouldn't push ourselves also into a work that we know that I won't be successful in doing this work. This is not my line of labor. This is not my talent. There are some today who misunderstand the words that says that the time has come for every one of God's children to be involved in the work of medical missionary. And they take it to mean that everyone must go around and do the labor of finding the sick and healing the sick and all of that. No, that's not the case. Look at John the Baptist who Jesus said was the man who was the greatest of prophets. And even his apostles, what was the work he called them to do? The apostleship is about preaching and then he gave them tal- um, gifts to heal and to cast out demons and the rest. And, but then there's the work of the prophets, the gifts that are given to different people. There's teaching, there's the one of administration. Someone may have a lot of gifts and others a f- fewer gifts and we all have to try to develop ourselves. but. As much as we understand how successfully we can perform a particular work, let us do that in the line that we can. And 
the way God wants us to work is, as you see, none of them being perfect. That means they need someone else to perfect their work. To bring someone of the same individuality with yourself, the same skill with yourself, the same talent with yourself, the same kind of labor with yourself cannot perfect you. You need someone who, like you see now, Peter and John, even in their individuality, they are different. But much more than that, even in the lines of labor. Look at Paul. Paul was a preacher, but he was not like Luke, who was a doctor. But Luke was always going with Paul to complement Paul's work as a medical missionary. And then Paul was doing the work of preaching. And he still had somebody like Mark that was with him for a while, left and then later came back. And what was Mark's work? Do you hear Mark preaching all around? These men were supporting Paul. Paul was a preacher. And Paul was also supporting them because they needed his help too. He needed their help, they needed his help. And they all worked harmoniously to preach this gospel. We talk about Paul, Paul today, yes. But without these other men that were supporting him, Paul's work wouldn't have gone as far as, as it went. We saw in our devotion of... Uh, when we talked about Elisha, the one that was titled All on the Altar, that was sometime in August, and we saw that how the, the Lord will bless everyone. And it's not about who is the prominent one in the world. God knows how to give his rewards to people. I'll continue the reading now on this devotion. None were perfect, helping us to understand the need for every other person in the work different lines going continuing the book evangelism page 104 now paragraph one down to paragraph three says let not one man feel that his gift alone is sufficient for the work of god that he alone can carry through a series of meetings and give perfection to the work his methods may be good and yet varied gifts are essential one man's mind is not to mold and fashion the work according to his special ideas. In order for the work to be built up, strong and symmetrical, there is need of varied gifts and different agencies, all under the Lord's direction. He will instruct the workers according to their several ability. Cooperation and unity are essential to a harmonious whole, each laborer doing his God-given work filling his appropriate position and supplying the deficiency of another. One worker left to labor alone is in danger of thinking that his talent is sufficient to make a complete whole. Where there is a union of workers, there is opportunity for them to consult together, to pray together, to cooperate in labor. None should feel that they cannot link up with their brethren because they do not work in exactly the same line as they themselves do. Okay, then it says, Where one is weak, another strong. The Lord moves upon ministers who have varied capabilities, that they may feed the flock of his heritage with food convenient for them. They will reveal truth on points that their brother laborer did not regard as essential. Where the work of ministering to the flock left entirely to one man, there will be deficiency in the results. In his providence, the Lord sends various workmen. One is strong on some essential point where another is weak. End of quote. And in the same book, Evangelism, page 99, paragraph 3 and 4, it tells us something really beautiful here. It says, one worker may be a ready speaker, another a ready writer. Another may have the gift of sincere, earnest 
fervent prayer, another the gift of singing, another may have special power to explain the word of God with clearness, and each gift is to become a power for God, because he works with the laborer. To one God gives the word of wisdom, and to another knowledge, to another faith, but all are to work under the same head. The diversity of gifts leads to a diversity of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in all, which worketh all in all. First Corinthians twelve verse six. The Lord desires his chosen servants to learn how to unite in harmonious effort. It may seem to some that the contrast between their gifts and the gifts of their fellow laborer is too great to allow them to unite in harmonious effort. But when they remember that they have varied minds to be reached, and that some will reject the truth as it is presented by one laborer, only to open their hearts to God's truth as it is presented in a different manner by another laborer, they will hopefully endeavor to labor together in unity. Their talents, however diverse, may all be under the control of the same spirit. In every word and act, kindness and love will be revealed, and as each worker fills his appointed place faithfully, the prayer of Christ for the unity of his followers will be answered, and the world will know that these are his disciples. End of quote. Amen. So he's still re-emphasizing the same point as to why it is necessary that even though we have defects, other people like how Jesus brought Peter and John together and all the, all the other disciples, they will compliment for what another does not have. But then, apart from the weaknesses as far as their manner of presentation and individuality goes, these men were weak and had defects in their character. They had sin in their life. That's what God wants us to understand today. When we say none were perfect, they had sin in their life. Pride is a sin. Sowing of discord is a sin. The desire for supremacy that John had and his brother James, it is a sin. Judas was a thief. That is a sinful character. But these, these characters, even Pete Matthew was a publican, remember, although certainly we expect that when he started to follow Jesus, he was a changed person. But then that didn't mean that all of them didn't have these defects in their character. They had it. How about you? How about me? Do we have defects in our character? Yes, we do. But the Lord can still use us to work. That's what he wants us to understand. That these defects, he wants to change us. He wants to work with us. The gospel is presented in earthen vessels, not in perfect vessels. Earthen vessels and earthen vessels can break. They are defective. It is not gold that is used. It is not silver. We are told in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's what we are told. And that is God is trying to tell us that it is not being carried. The work of God, the gospel, is not being carried by perfect people. It is not being carried by unbreakable people. People who are angels but humans. And the Lord is calling us to work for him. Regardless of these defects, it is while we work for him that these defects, he intends to correct them. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 297, paragraph 1 to 3, it says, He who called the fisherman of Galilee is still calling men to his service, and he is just as willing to manifest his power through us as through the first disciples. However imperfect and sinful we may be, 
the Lord holds out to us the offer of partnership with himself. Amen. Of apprenticeship to Christ, I say again, Amen. He invites us to come under the divine instruction that uniting with Christ, we may work the works of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the exceeding greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 This is why the preaching of the gospel was committed to erring men rather than to the angels. It is manifest that the power which works through the weakness of humanity is the power of God. And thus, we are encouraged to believe that the power which can help others as weak as ourselves can help us. Say amen to that. I take that again. The power. We are made to believe that the power which can help others, that power that helped Peter, that helped John, help others as weak as ourselves, can help us. And those who are themselves compassed with infirmity should be able to have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. Hebrews 5 verse 2. Having been in peril themselves, they are acquainted with the dangers and difficulties of the way and for this reason are called to reach out for others in like, in like peril. They are souls perplexed with doubt, burdened with infirmities, weak in faith and unable to grasp the unseen but a friend whom they can see coming to them in Christ's stead can be a connecting link to fasting their trembling faith upon Christ. Amen. Let me say something before I finish up the reading and conclude the devotion. It is so out of place for us to see men and women, young men, young girls who have given themselves up in one way or another to do service for God. And because you see some defects in their life, you want to hold on to that defect and then make it as a a reason why you feel, oh, these people are unqualified to do the work of God. In other words, you are thinking in your mind that anyone who handles the sacred things must be holy like Jesus. Well, I point you to the 12 apostles. They were not all holy. And we read before that they were like the patriarchs, the 12 tribes of Judah. Do you remember the sons of Jacob, how they were? Simeon, Reuben, Judah, Levi. Their characters were nothing to write home about. But they were struggling and the Lord still used them. They were changed and through them, the first um, dispensation of God's church began. The second dispensation here in the apostles did not have any much difference from that. These men were thieves like Matthew. They were evil people like Judah. Evil like John and his brother James. And these people were the ones who were fighting for the birthright. Just like Simeon and Levi and Reuben were fighting for the birthright, want to be on top. Same thing with the disciples of Jesus. But yet, it was these men that God gave the ability to do work for him if you are part of those accusing and saying oh look at them yet he said he's a man of god look at how he's speaking look at that was how john was john wanted to call down fire to destroy the samaritans when jesus went to the land of the samaritans and they did not accept him john and james came to meet jesus and said let us call down fire like elijah to destroy these people now what kind of people would have said such a thing these men were ready to murder others so Remember that 
murder is not really about you performing the act. It is in the heart. If opportunity were given to them, if they had the power of themselves, they would have done it. What does that tell us? They were murderers. This John and James were murderers. Even though they didn't do it, the very fact that all that was lacking was the opportunity to do it tells us that, in principle, they were already murderers. What does that tell you about how you should see people today who are doing God's work? God is in the business of transforming sinful people into men who like who would be like John the Beloved. John was so changed, so transformed after spending time with Jesus that his own closeness to Jesus was on another scale, on another level. And that can be our own experience. Do not look at your weaknesses. Jesus called imperfect men to work for him. And he's calling you to. He called, jo- he called Judas. His intention was to change him left for jesus he wanted to but it didn't just work out and the rest of them is worked so it can work for you and it can work for me and don't descend into that character of satan of being an accuser of the brethren that you will look at someone and say are you sure you even love god at all if you really have are with christ would you have said the thing you said? Look at the tone of your voice. Look at the things you said. Look at the way you are probably dressing right now. Or look at the manners you have in your eating. You know, the Pharisees came and looked at the, the disciples of Jesus and said, look at their manners. They don't have table manners. If they were really children of God, would they be eating like this without washing their hands? Look at how they are. Look at how their dresses are. So crude people. That was what the Pharisees did. They were playing the role of Satan. Some of them would even question, you have never even been with the Lord. Have you ever been with the Lord? If you have really been with the Lord, you will not be talking the way you are talking. Well, that's how somebody like the Pharisee would view it. But that, that's not how Jesus would view it. Even though these defects were with the people, they were with Jesus, literally with him. And they had these defects. And it was going away gradually and the Lord was training them to become more and more like himself. And that's the experience I want for myself and I'm sure that the Lord will also want the same for me and you. To conclude the reading, it says, Desire of Ages, page 297, paragraph 3. We are to be laborers together with the heavenly angels in presenting Jesus to the world. With almost impatient eagerness, the angels wait for our cooperation. For man must be the channel to communicate with man. And when we give ourselves to Christ in wholehearted devotion, angels rejoice that they may speak through our voices. Such a privilege to reveal God's love. Amen. Angels will speak through your voice. Angels will speak through my voice. Why? To bless others. And remember something we read earlier. That these disciples, when they saw that they were imperfect, We read, having been in peril themselves, they were acquainted with the dangers and difficulties of the way and for this reason are called to reach out for others in like peril. There are souls perplexed with doubt, burdened with infirmities, weak in faith and unable to grasp the unseen. But a friend whom they can see coming to them in Christ's stead can be a connecting link to fasten their trembling faith upon Christ. And how is this done? Angels rejoice that they speak through our voices to reveal God's love to these ones. All around us, though we are imperfect, angels want to speak through our voices. Though we have our weaknesses, Jesus wants to work in us, through us and with us to help others. And if your heart has been touched 
to see your own weakness if you have been humbled by the fact that you know you are not perfect and you have seen it you will not be an accuser of the brethren rather when you see others with weaknesses you will want to assist them understanding the period that you have been through because of your defects and your weaknesses you would want to help and i pray that we all will cooperate with these angels in wholehearted devotion that our voices may be voices that angels will speak through to reveal god's love to those around us let us pray thank you dear father for the privilege of being co-laborers with you despite our imperfections oh lord thank you so much were it to be for men none will qualify us were it to be for men i will not even be speaking right now because i know i have my own defects but i thank you lord for the opportunity for both myself and for many others who are still doing the same and we pray lord that you would help us to indeed be transformed like john was and the disciples that we may become more like you and that our defects may go away and through us we may help in bringing others into the knowledge of the truth and reveal god's love to them have we been people who have been intolerant of others in the past lord have mercy upon us please forgive us and help us to have a change in our lives based on how we view others and how we want to help those in peril thank you lord for hearing in jesus name i've prayed amen